In what was the best opening weekend of finals football in recent history, footy supporters were treated to a vast array of spectacles. A stunning comeback in the face of adversity, an upset that fired a warning shot to the rest of the competition, a high-octane shootout that ended at the death, and a titanic struggle to decide destiny. Two were eliminated, six are left. There are no second chances from here. Only glory or devastation. Boys, welcome. Hello, team. Just give me a second to get those goosebumps away. Oh, that was amazing. That's mate. one of your best. Nicely done. Uh, good to have you here. What what a week of footy did we just see? That was that was incredible. As I said, you know, one of the best um, finals weeks we've we've ever seen for the first round. You know what? I was hesitant about the Thursday, Friday, two Saturdays, mm. no Sunday game, but mm. it, that was perfect. Yeah. I love that setup. Yeah, well, like well. Mm. We'll get stuck straight into it. We're going to get... It's a big week because we have to talk about six games, whereas normally we'd only talk about three. So we'll get stuck straight into the uh, preview. We'll start off on Thursday night, uh, Brisbane versus Richmond. Um, an absolute shootout, a high-octane game, as I mentioned. There was a bit of controversy, which we'll get to, but what are some of the main talking points? I guess we'll go around the room and um, and get started. Uh, just one main thing. I think Lockie Neal, one of the performances of an individual performance, like one of the best you can think of. That was just stunning. Um, not only was he winning ton of the ball, but clearances. All like genuinely, any time he touched the ball, something good happened for the team. Um, we said it last week that we needed more from the midfield, and I, I had said Lockie Neal on his own can't do it, but geez, he nearly did. <laughs> he was really impressive. I, I, in my opinion. Definitely the player of the of the whole round of the finals, um, and yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it was an all time game, wasn't it, from Lockie? And I think it was always going to be the way that Brisbane and Richmond didn't have any issues scoring, but defending, you know, both it undid them a few times throughout the year, and in the end, it, it really caused one side's undoing on the weekend. But you know, if they can't arrest that sort of defensive stuff, the Lions, it'll cause them to come undone against Melbourne. But we should pay them a lot of credit because they played some really good footy. And and I feel like they had to win that final. A lot of pressure was mounting on them. And, uh, yeah, very well played. Significant game in the grand scheme of things. And, yeah, when all the pressure, as Shorty said, was on the Lions, you know, one and five um, in the final series of late. So they they definitely, yeah, they just had to find a way to win. And credit to them, they they didn't, you know, go in as favourites, which was... Which was interesting, you know, Richmond's record, I think they've won 17 out of 19 against them, so um, they have a great record and, you know, another bunny of uh, of Brisbane overall, so, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was a game of moments once again, and just, I think it was about 12 lead changes or something like that, it was just pretty... 17. 17, yeah. There was a lot going on, so I don't recall a game with so many uh, twists and turns, but... Um, yeah, just just a game of moments once again, and you know, is Richmond beating Richmond again with four four players on the uh, top of the goal square, not able to punch it through, and um, and Joe Danaher kicked a couple in the last quarter, and, and ultimately is the match winner as a result for the yeah, Lions. Yeah, you, you speak of Danaher, and it was a game for the Pillars. All four kicked mm-hmm. three goals each, which mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. And we said last week that. For Brisbane to have a chance, they needed their tools of both Hipwood and De- or, or Danaher, or one or the other, to actually, you know, settle and play really well. And we, we almost kind of snickered because they've both kind of been a bit average this year, but they really picked their moment to shine, didn't they? Danaher in particular in the last quarter to be the hero. But I thought Hipwood was, was sensational with, you know, kicking a few important goals. And, and obviously when it comes to 
important goals from the Tolls. Uh, Tommy Lynch missed the one that counted, or did he? Um, in my personal opinion, he, he missed it. But go around, boys. It was a big moment, Langers. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on them in a sec. But I just, you know, I've, I've been pretty critical of, um, you know, Brisbane over the last few weeks, and, and they did have to get it done. And I actually think the changes that they were forced to make uh, went into their favour. They had to change something up, and you know, Wilmot was good. Um, Dev Robertson was one of Brisbane's best and unfortunately for Oscar McInerney he, he went off quite early in the game but I thought that was probably one of McStay's best games it was his personal best 23 disposals um, from his 160 odd games so that was a you know great for him to you know lift when when they needed lifting um, the Lions and he did a fantastic job but yeah obviously the, the big talking point from that game is the you know the Lynch uh, point or over, over the post kick and it was a lot of controversy the next day, but I guess what was our initial reactions to it and how did we... I mean, obviously it did result in the game potentially, but also Richmond shouldn't have let Brisbane go straight down the other end and not spoil it through <laughs> directly on the line. So, Yeah, I, I think, look, if you said, Shorty, what was the end result there? you got to pick a side. I probably would have thought, yeah, it's probably a point, but I just think the way we got to that outcome just wasn't the process we've been told and sort of conditioned to. All right, that's your soft call. All right, well, this footage coming up needs to definitively show us that it is the other way to turn it over, and, and they somehow did. I I mean, whether it was a goal, whether it was a point, whatever, but I, I just think you got to get the process right and stick to it. I don't think the umpires always need to have a soft call, the goal umpire, I think if they're genuinely not sure, because then it makes you have to overturn something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you did genuinely think it was a goal. I don't know. But super controversial um, and looking forward to maybe investing in some better tech. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, we were talking about laser beams and, uh, <laughs> and sharks with laser beams on their heads uh, attached <laughs> like duct, duct tape to the... Uh, just get go, like, go to one of those cheap like Chinese markets and get the $2 laser pointers and duct tape to the post. That's it. Every goal, they can just go off in Clark. <laughs> <laughs> to get the smoke steams coming out the Lady stack. told me he could pretty much just go to Bunnings and fix this. <laughs> get, just get a, a you know a length of PVC pipe, attach two GoPros to it, you know, put a wireless thing on him, and then send it up to the box and point one straight up on the post, point one straight down on the post, and there's your problem solved, mate. What did you think of the whole thing? It sounds like a great solution you got there, by the way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lynch definitely wasn't too sure, and he was uh, he didn't seem too stoked with his kick in the end, and gee, he left it, he kicked it bloody high, which made it um, you know, very, very difficult, uh, and it was such an awkward kick too, because it wasn't far out, but also to drop on that, you have to hit it absolutely perfectly, where with a, a banana, a little bit less margin for error, but he kicked it so high that uh, it had to go into the review process, so um, yeah, I, I feel like it was a point, another camera angle from someone filming on their phone, phone yeah. made, made it look really, really interesting. I still I, feel I re- like... I read that as it was more definitively a point from that phone angle. Yeah. But there was a few phone angles going it, around. It did feel like it curved over the post but, and not through for a goal before it did that curves. But oh, it's yeah. very difficult to <laughs> say. Who wants to be a millionaire? Us, the audience style. Maybe we bring that in. You know, All vote in the crowd. What's a goal of mine? <laughs> Check your phones. You've got, got a few people to choose from. By How the way. would that go at a Collingwood home game? Oh, <laughs> Do you reckon? No, it's 100% a goal. Well, we know what Eddie would say. Yeah. That's all I got, man. It's interesting you're talking about when McInerney went down. We were saying that it was going to be a big battle. And I think last week I was saying... Nank the tank was going to be a bit physical and see how he handles McInerney. But 
once he'd gone down, it was it was all up to, to Nank to actually do the ruck work in the end on his own, basically. I think he got 41 hit-outs or something. Like, he smashed the hit-outs. But yeah. then the pressure's all on you when it's you're going to win the hit-out. Yeah. I know mixed day is a good thing, but it obviously showed that Nank was winning them all. Yeah. But, but then the pressure's on him to actually make sure he's doing a good hit-out. I don't know if you guys agree, but I find, like, whenever it's, like, a one-man-up ruck situation, they tend to stuff it up and, like, just hit it straight to the ground or something. It can be harder, too, because all of a sudden, the opposition without the ruckman tends to probably be a bit more defensive. They're all reading the play as well. and know who they're reading. the pressure's on. He probably started to really influence the game when he just started grabbing it out of the ruck, really. Because he had 26 touches as well, I think. PB, so... It was enormous, Nank. He just got, got involved in a big way there. But oh, I wonder if this is, you know, a bit of a slap in the face to Richmond around a, a tagger. Lockie yeah. Neal was the only way Brisbane could have won. If you tag Neal right from the get-go, mm-hmm. Brisbane don't win that game. He, he, he was involved with four goals from clearance. The Martins, two points. The, the highest ever clearance count in a final was 16, and he had 15. So he's, you know, almost off the charts of finals performances and was it Buckley who refused to tag Tom Mitchell a couple of times and Mitchell you know toasted mm, the pies yep. a couple of times and you know maybe I wouldn't say it was stubbornness but maybe arrogance that <coughs> they thought their midfield could just get the job done against you know not the strongest um, Brisbane midfield but they're pretty evenly matched and I guess they tried short and picket at times mm, and I guess they've done the job on Brisbane many many times with Lockie Neal playing great footy they obviously backed in their system, but yeah. I do think, yeah, there have been times, particularly when you lose someone like Prestia and, you know, their midfield did really look like it was just getting beaten up by one superstar. Prestia's loss was obviously mm. a big one. And you say one superstar, one superstar to another. Mm. Dusty did not look ready to be playing in that oh. game. He got one cheapy goal, which was handballed to him in the goal square, and, and then any touch he got was barely anything of value. Um I know you go, it's Dusty, you've got to play him. But, you know, could that have been a, a difference if, if they'd given someone else who... He didn't seem fully fit to me, or even that interested in playing. I mean, he clearly couldn't run the game out fully, but you have to play him, don't yeah. you? I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, they would have been sort of saying, well, a bit of Dusty magic or even just enough to make some defenders nervous or draw an opponent, that could be enough. Um, so, yeah, I agree. He definitely wasn't right to go, but... In the end, it's Dustin Martin, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he could have been playing a decoy best with, with the, yeah. you know, him being um, 80% was earmarked by, by Zimmer. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really tough. You know, if if uh, Tom Lynch kicks that goal, all of a sudden it, yeah. it brings him to nine, ten points up, and then we're probably not talking about them needing to tag Neil, but also he contributed with, you know, um, arguably four of their seven goals from, from clearance, which is a lot, and they were a bit thin in the midfield. And, I mean, Taranto... Is definitely a target. Um, I think he's earmarked a trade there, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fine line. Richmond just about home and hose with Lynch taking a mark inside fifty mm-hmm. with a few points up to get it out to a goal and a half, and goes down the other end. Richmond kind of symbolic of their season where they've just lost those close ones yet again from silly mistakes from, was um, it from their players. Five on two or five, something like that. Five, it was five on one in the goal strip at one point. Too many Dan- cooks. Bolter had the big run up and swing at the ball and, and couldn't get it done and it just sort of you know flapped over the back and down here was like oh cool and I'll just Jack put it at the back. back there as well didn't Rewalt, he man. trying to play hero he'd already kicked his two goals I would never have backed him in to kick oh, yeah. Um, but yeah he's probably like 
all right, this is it. Cement myself in. I'll be singing with the killers again. And, yeah, no. <laughs> so it's that's the end of the season for Richmond. Shane Edwards retires. Fantastic finals play. We'll touch on more on Brisbane when we get to the uh, previews of the upcoming finals. So another big game Friday night, Melbourne versus Sydney. This one looked like the most, you know, lock result of the week, and it wasn't the case as Sydney stormed over the D's and you know provided a team pressure performance like we'd never seen before. The most lock of the yeah, week. Jeez, you're giving Sydney no respect. I would have thought the previous game. A, a lot of the general media were saying, oh, like Melbourne's back after this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that... The Melbourne yeah, Sydney, yeah, yeah. The Mel- the Mel- <laughs> a lot of the media were saying, you know, oh, Melbourne's back to their best form after they smashed Brisbane in round 23. So they're like, oh, you know, yeah. Sydney got no chance down here. Well, we definitely mentioned the other week that, you know, is Melbourne back or have they just beaten up on Brisbane twice because everything else hasn't been super convincing and... Yeah, look, I think they do struggle to move the footy. That forward setup just is not working. And you get the sense, well, is it all over for that team that just has relied so many times on going to the well of Oliver Petrarca and Gorn? Um, I want to write them off, but they need to find another way. Um, but also want to pay a lot of credit to Sydney because they were fantastic. Oh, I was going to say... No, we didn't write them off. Some people tipped uh, the Swannies to yes. get the win. Well played. <laughs> and the Lions too. Yeah, future. it was four out of four, <laughs> so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but you were, you were listing the names there. <laughs> Petrarca, a big name, big important name. I personally think he's been injured majority of the season and that he should have been rested several times. And look at the Geelong route. They, they rested players so they could be fully fit for finals. Mm. Petrarca, he's been a bit iffy. This injury doesn't seem to be related to any sort of niggling injuries or anything, but he looks like he's cooked now, potentially. They say they want to play him against Brisbane, but yeah, his impact obviously was not as large as it could be with, with that injury. And Well, I, I don't. they're saying out of the Melbourne camp, you know, the, he's got a hairline fracture of his fibula, and that's not as bad as the corkies guy. I don't know how a bruise can be worse, <laughs> worse than a broken <laughs> leg. And, you know, that's, that's a big... Um, it's a big thing going into into that game, and we'll probably touch on that when we go into the previews. But you know, Sydney brought their pressure tears, and they were fantastic. And one moment in particular that brought it up was Robbie Fox in the back line. You know, Melbourne looked you know certain that they were going to kick a goal, and Robbie Fox had two smothers, and Sydney got it out of the the back line, and the lights were actually going off because I think they thought it was a goal because yeah. the person went early, early on the lights. So at the MCG, but um, you know, fantastic all round performance. You know, Parker in the midfield, um, James Rowbottom was fantastic, and. You know, there was a big but, um, Buddy battle with uh, May as well, and you were very critical of, of Buddy, Tiz, but um, overall the Swans got it done. Yeah, he had an interesting night, Buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, milking a few free kicks there. That probably <laughs> probably shouldn't have been there, but that's uh, you win some, you lose some. What an incredible performance by the Swans first and foremost. Once again, Melbourne got out to that you know, two-and-a-half, three-goal lead, and um, you know they, they just didn't quite get the, the bang for the buck on the scoreboard. And, um, you know, the Swans came crawling back, I think, actually off the back of Stephen May uh, infringing Buddy on a really soft free kick. And then, and then it was somehow downfield uh, from that created, um, yeah, a scoring opportunity for the Swans when, when Melbourne were in control. And it did seem like, once again, if, when the Ds won and out of the centre, um, that was when, when they were at their most dangerous. But any time anything involving moving the ball from the back line. Sydney just did not give them any outlets at all. And like they really struggled to move the ball by hand and foot just because Sydney's defensive um, structures are, are so sound and, you know, they're, they're very thorough side. Um, and you could just see, conversely, when Sydney got the ball, they were running by hands and, you know, getting to the outside. 
and really breaking away from the Ds there, bringing the ball to ground inside D50 uh, for the Ds. And then, yeah, they were able to sort of, yeah, get some, you know, some really good score um, and field position off the back of that and then conversely put them under pressure. So it was incredible performance. I mean, that they've uh, been probably a sleeping giant for six last six or seven weeks and I'm still very concerned, the team I'm most concerned about in the final series. And, um They've got a lot of weapons, and I felt like every time Melbourne got inside 50, you know, Sydney were able to get that ground ball, um, that post-clearance ball, and just, yeah, repel quite easily. So lack of pressure from the forwards from the D's perspective. And, you know, credit credit to Sydney for just being so good with their ball use, etc. So, well done. Yeah, the Swans are relatively young, and they have that experience, but their time could be now, couldn't it? We often sort of think, oh, they're only going to get better sort of deal, but... You know, they're in a home preliminary final. Just because you're a bit young doesn't mean you get better year on year. You never know what injuries you're going to get hit with. Their time could have just snuck up on us that it's now. And, yeah, for a long time I feel like they were always dangerous but maybe didn't have that inside ball sort of players. Like, contested ball was an issue. But Rowbottom and Warner, not so much the other night, but those two guys have come on in leaps and bounds and Sydney are a dangerous proposition. Yeah, indeed. It was interesting. Um, we touched on that the last time they had played that Franklin was out and May was out. Buddy was basically out this week too, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> Stephen May did an May awesome performance. I yeah. think he probably got the 10 votes, did he, almost in the coaches' voting? Yeah, he did, Because yeah. um, he just smashed it. And that that was a really important performance, but it just goes to show how good Sydney's remaining forwards were, that Buddy was able to not have as much impact, but you were still able to get two goals from Reed. Um, two from Hayward, two from Papley, two from Buddy Lloyd for Christ's sake, who had probably had one of the best games I've I've seen of Lloyd. I feel like his season's kind of been a bit under the radar compared to his lofty mm. standards when you normally like, oh, he's going to be all Australian lock at half back. But yeah, um, this year he 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 actually played really well in that final, and 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 so did just all round performance from the Swans. They weren't really reliant on any particular player, and I think that's the thing that makes them so damaging. Is you could. Mm. who would you tag you know you could ta- tag a Parker or something but that just means a Mills and everyone else they're so even everywhere um, their forward line their back line there's talent on every end and it's very fierce and I, I particularly thought the Hickey battle um, mm. against Gorn was, was massive mm. yeah well you know I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast you probably heard the emotional Hickey after the game um, you know courageously playing and you know coming in, interstate to play this game and leaving his you know, members of his family sick uh, at home in hospital. So that was a fantastic performance under duress. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say he, he beat Gorn and Jackson, but Jackson was quiet and Hickey was really strong when when the uh, the Sydney Swans uh, <laughs> needed him. But another, um, you know, ruck forward in Sam Reid really stood up to the plate and he had a really strong game against the Ds last time and, and backed it up again. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that's about all you could have asked for a combination up against... Gorn and, and Jackson to a lesser extent, particularly the influence Gorn had last time they played. So, no, it was a good effort, and I really think it'll be... I mean, we'll talk about it a bit later on with the previews, but so interesting to see how the Ds respond. But the Swans await, don't they? Yeah. Pretty scary proposition upcoming. Um, home prelim is going to be... Yeah, good luck beating Sydney there. Oh, yeah. We move on to the Titanic tussle at the MCG, the the most stressful game of the round. Geelong took on Collingwood, and 
There was a lot of history and hoodoo going into this game for the Cats, and it was a game they simply had to win at stages. It looked like history was going to repeat itself when Collingwood got off to a fast start, but instead of a seven or eight goal quarter, it was only a three goal quarter for the Pies, and Geelong just managed to stay in touch and you know level things out uh, for the remainder of the game, and ultimately. They weren't the best team for the game, but they were the best team in the big moments. What a huge game it was! It was about ten or twelve years of history riding on on this game. With uh, you know Geelong one out of nine, I believe, for first finals, qualifying finals, and, and the like. And uh, yeah, I mean, it had that look early on in the piece, you know, um, rearing its ugly head again, you know, with the cats potentially, um, you know, going down again, and you know, pies off to a, a red hot start. Um, they settled well early on in the piece much better than we did um we we, we collectively as uh, as geelong geelong fans and, and people mm-hmm. uh, and but thankfully we were able to sort of settle you know um late in that first term jeremy cameron goal was golden because i think without that would have been pretty hard to um sort of you know have any sort of momentum going into quarter time then we we're able to sort of you know get a few more on the board i think we kicked the next four after that which definitely settled things down uh, it was just one of those games where it was literally just going to come down to a game of moments and which team was going to pop one through, you know, uh, at the right time. And, and it happened to be us with um, some really uh, clean play late in the piece. But, yeah, su- super impressed with um, the resolve. And, I mean, yeah, the Pies just on the outside absolutely torched us up early. And in, in the contest, they were 18th for the last six weeks. Um, and they were able to, you know... Um, really make it very difficult for us and we we couldn't really settle or deal with the pressure as has been the case many times um, we were able to sort of yeah find our way and our groove into the game um, and ultimately yeah probably didn't uh pies were up for probably you know three quarters of the game we we're up for about 25 minutes up uh in front at the right time and um what a relief for, for the crew and, and, and Scotty um, in terms of being able to sort of win that first final and, um, yeah, sneak into that prelim and set ourselves up for hopefully uh, a, a longer campaign. It is an interesting one. You look at the experience of this Geelong side versus the, you know, the young and up-and-coming and fierce pies. And, and to me, the Geelong side in those first three quarters even were the ones that looked scared, um, panicky when the ball got in their hands, making many mistakes. You know, even guys, experienced players like Isaac Smith were missing shocking handballs. Plenty of guys letting you know the ball bounce out of their hands and 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 looking really panicky. I know Tom Atkins, who had that amazing last quarter, a uh, few times he just tried to take on the tackler, and and I think you know three out of four he was getting straight to the ground sort of thing. Um, it just wasn't. I don't know if they weren't prepared for the finals footy intensity, which you'd think they would be one of the most experienced sides ever. But um, it seemed to me, you look at experience and Pendlebury and Selwood, I believe, had the most captaincy experience of all time in a game for that. Mm. Um, And they both proved like a decade on, they were still arguably the best players for both of their teams, um, racking up the possession. Scott Pendlebury in particular, I want to know, has not lost any of his touch in terms of Mm. his skill deadliness when he's got the ball he almost basically you could guarantee he was going to dance around someone yeah. and hit a target right on the chest it was amazing to see that and so just as fierce as ever um these guys shouldn't be carrying their side anymore but you know their willingness and their drive they you can see in their eyes they both want to be able to clutch one more flag before they they call it quits eventually <laughs> 
Yeah, it just typified finals footy, didn't it? It was just contest after contest. It wasn't necessarily a shootout like we saw or clean footy like we've seen throughout the year. It was just a genuine battle and it did take you long, you're right, a long time to really seem to find any bit of composure and the Pies' relentless pressure really did have a massive impact. But, you know, genuine arm wrestle and like Ty said, it sometimes just comes down to taking moments and I was really pleased with Gary Rowan. I've been a massive critic of him, and, and he took his moments. You know, Of course, Cameron is getting pre- uh, plenty of love as well. But, yeah, there were some big moments late, goals on the run from both teams and set shot conversions, and the Cats were able to uh, end up on top. I was, I was super impressed with Collingwood there, you know, coming out of the game. At first, it was a relief that you know Geelong won. But secondly, I was like, gee, that Collingwood are uh, statistically and historically you know, ahead of where anyone thought they would be. They should have, shouldn't have got anywhere near, you know, the top four. They shouldn't have got anywhere near a top four team, let alone the team that finished top of the ladder in the first final. You know, you have to give them so much credit, um, the crowd as well, for, for what they bring to, to the team. And, you know, Moore played an incredible game. Um, Adams was really strong, but obviously went down with that injury late. You know, they've, they've picked blokes like, you know, Ash Johnson out of their mid-season draft from last year. He's fantastic. Um, Jamie Elliott, as you mentioned, I think last week has turned into the new Robbie Gray. You could have a, a lot of admiration for what they do, and you know, if you if you take your Geelong hat off and step back and look at the game from a neutral standpoint, you know, what a fantastic game against two amazing teams. Yeah, I want to touch on that. The pressure was amazing. Um, you make Zach Guffey look like the most composed player oh, in Geelong's time. <laughs> um, yeah. But you mentioned Jamie Elliott. Mm. I was very surprised. I he had. Two shots, or at least a fair few yeah, shots yeah, on true. goal that I was going, well, guarantee goal. You've seen what he's been doing all year. And it looked like the pressure somehow got to him because he missed him pretty comfortably missed two shots that I would have locked him in to kick. And, you know, he might be um, a bit pissed at the moment. <laughs> um, and and hopefully, oh, I don't mean <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Just a bit angry with himself. I'd be interested to see him probably kick the lights out um, this coming weekend, but we'll touch on that. But yeah, that was a bit, he'd probably be pretty disappointed because it was just a case of a, a bit of wayward kicking for the, the pies that cost him. Um, yeah, he wasn't alone, was he? There was a few others too. Yeah. Mm. If I have one big commendation, it has to go to Jordan Dugowie. He copped a shit ton of heat all week leading up to it saying, Hey, everyone's been praising you as, as dusty or the, you know, the biggest thing in sport and that you're going to command massive salaries coming soon. Mm. Um, he was amazing. Twenty-six touches, two goals. Um, the tackles, just too, which isn't everything, normally just something. Yeah, yeah, nine, nine tackles. He was just absolute fierce, and yeah, I got to say that was a really impressive. And that's the sort of thing that you look at and you see why clubs are like, I want would want to have this guy's playing ability mm-hmm. on my team. Mm. Yeah, just finally for me, the, the one interesting thing for Geelong that I'll be really interested to see is was that just an isolated case of this team that just happened to feel the nerves a little bit more on this given day and just happened to be the case and Collingwood brought great pressure? Or is it the latest instalment of the pattern that Geelong hasn't handled finals pressure? I am a believer this team is different and the Geelong supporter in me is very much hoping so, but I wonder how we'll view this one in hindsight. I'm hoping that can just be something where they... Oh, deep breath, we got over 07 prelim style. Now we can really just butt... Time will tell. I hope so. And we'll definitely want to be probably yeah, much better for the run uh, if we are to play the winner out of, uh, obviously, you know, the Ds and the Lions. Uh, we'll, we'll need to obviously, you know, 
be a bit tidier than that, uh, I reckon. So um, that was obviously incredible performance from both sides. Neither really deserved to lose because they were both uh, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, throughout the afternoon, Pies' pressure was, was next level. Hawk um, also, like Buddy, had a, a pretty big bath uh, <laughs> by, by the respective defenders there. So um, Hawk has to get on the move. And obviously, yeah, just get on the lead. He, he just got... Um, he just got outplayed by more all day, and it was it was very frustrating. But off the back of that, Rowan kicks three, Cameron ends up with three, um, allowing sort of those second, third tools to, to really thrive. And um, amazing conversion from Cameron and Rowan, uh, 2012 Tommy Hawkins after the siren style. Beautiful from it. It looked very similar, didn't it? It was like the same camera angle and the same the same kick. The yeah. Yeah. Hawkins, yeah. Hawkins, Hawkins did have some big. Some big moments late. Some good tackles um, too. Clo- he was he was there with his tackles, but closest goal where Jez, you know, picked up the ball from a you know a scrum on the on the wing, got the handball out to Hawkins, and Hawkins had a great little handball that just set Selwood up yep. for. Yep. And then late, I'm talking 14 seconds to go. There was a ball up on the wing. Hawkins took the ruck directly down to Blitzarves, who just got it forward, and it never looked like coming back. So some so big moments, and you know. How often do we have to say you don't have to have a good game? You just have to have even you know one moment in a final makes the game. Because if let's say you know Darcy Cameron gets that hit out to go straight, you know one kick and it's a mark on the fifty, and that's the game over. Yeah. Well, I was going to say you talk about lack of moments and all Australian small forward. You expect a bit more from Stengel in what was a big game, his first big test, his whole season. He's looked great. Whether it was just nerves, he is still a young people. People seem to forget how. How well he does it, young people. He's a young person. Pe- young people seem to forget he's he's still young in football, yeah, yeah. and and obviously nerves can affect him too. But his performance seemed to be non-existent almost. You know, he wasn't there for the scoring, which is okay, but he wasn't there for the pressure that I expect to see when people are trying to run out fifty. And instead of being he got them, he was the almost there, just behind the heels, instead of the usual smashing to the ground, the pressure that you expect. It's a great point, and I certainly agree. I think the only time I can sort of remember the pressure was when he got Pendles in the middle of the ground and got close, um, closest goal, the first one. And it was that turnover in the middle, and that ended up in, in, in closest goal. So again, you know, very quiet games, but you can still mm. you, you just need to do one thing, and it impacts the team. Yeah, he had six tackles overall, but it just felt like a very yeah, subpar, stiff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, subpar game from. Hopefully, better for the run lengths. Absolutely, mate. We'll move on to the last game of our reviews. Fremantle took on the Bulldogs. This game got a little bit lost after the Cats and um, Pies game, but this was an incredible game in itself. You know, I fully expected to you know jump in the car on the way back from the G and see Fremantle up by forty-one points, not the Dogs. And at one point, it, it was six six-two to one point, and the Dogs were up by forty-one points. And somehow, somehow, the Dogs. <laughs> Let that slip, and Frio just had this wave of momentum, and the crowd got right behind them. There were Frio fans leaving at the start of the yeah. second quarter, wow. and then it, really? they were going out the what door, the and they came back quick, smart. It seemed oh like a, a pretty dull game to begin yeah. with. I was almost going to chuck Netflix on until <laughs> until it did seem I could see the composure coming with Fremantle. And one thing to note, I believe there were only two players on Fremantle's list that had ever played in a final. Wow. So that is a in that game, Mundy and Walters. I thought. Oh, I think it was only four players for Freo had played finals, and only two for Dogs hadn't. Uh, okay. So, but yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's like, just crazy to to look at that though. Is that <laughs> sorry? 
I think maybe it might have been two Frio players for yeah. Frio had played yeah. Yeah. for Frio in a final. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but it was still crazy, and I think that inexperience kind of led to that. The nerves, the jeeriness, the dogs do have an exciting and pretty powerful midfield inside, so they were able to get going really impressively and, and kick the goals. Bontempelli was amazing with two early goals and, and 30 touches, I think, in the end. Really impressive performance from him. But in the end, the dogs kind of just fell apart and Fremantle backed in their game plan. They backed in their selves as a team and they chipped away, chipped away, and the dogs just had no answers. And it was mm. pretty disappointing, to be honest, by the dogs. Yeah, amazing comeback in a final, isn't it? Because obviously an experience does play a part, but it's it's still not easy to just find a way, and, and they did, so they'll take a lot from that. Um, I think the likes of Brayshaw and Sarong, not that I caught a stack of this game, and Luke Ryan, you know, were big drivers in that, and Walters did find a bit of form that, you know, he hadn't really found um, throughout the year. So the Dogs, you know, they would have had some form of hope that maybe that fairy tale from late or, you know, really close to the bottom of the eight could have happened again it's not going to now and i think the dockers are a genuine threat um still in finals they they're a quality side so um they'll be very pleased with that one it was a big performance uh from the dockers and what a monster response it was because yeah it took you saw the scoreboard and you're like i've seen that in finals before with the cats and it's game over okay. they, they'll, they'll fight back and you know um not quite get there but the Dockers did uh, in a in a massive way, and you know off, off the back of you know winning it at the contest early on. Obviously, the Dogs had it all their way. They probably didn't get the most um, on the scoreboard that they probably deserved. I think it was six six at one stage, and they probably missed some um, gettable shots to probably make it nine to ten goals. If you get it out to there, then you you're basically uh, home and hose. But um, not not to be the case, and uh, unfortunately, you know, for, from the Dogs' standpoint. 8-12, they have more scoring shots. Dockers, 11-7. So, I mean, it's about taking your chances. And, and Freo, um, you know, slowly got back into the game. And, you know, once they got a bit of the scoreboard ticking over, um, the confidence started to build. And, you know, for a young t- finals team, um, they did exceptionally well to sort of come back. And, yeah, the Dogs didn't really have an answer. And we know how good the Dockers are, you know, especially in the second halves. They, they just find a way to go to a ne- another level, really. Um, I don't know how sustainable it is starting off like that because I can picture a Collingwood outfit getting a pretty big jump. Um, albeit they did come back against the Dogs, but a lot of teams um, I feel like have come back against the Dogs mm-hmm. when they have gone off to a good start because defensively, once their midfield isn't on top, they, uh, their back line's left pretty slim pickings and it has been exposed a number of times if the midfield doesn't protect at lengths. Well, you, you know, you're relying on mammoth performances from, you know, Brayshaw and Sarong to get you over the line and that's what it took. But, you know, their forward line isn't functioning as is and you're relying on a second game to kick goals in a final. That's It's not really ideal. Well, the 19-year-old looked really impressive in Jai Amos. Um, he looked That's really good. composed, yeah. really well. He, he kicked two goals and a miss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he looked really good, but it's going to raise some questions when they believe Tabner might be fighting fit for, for this coming game. I wouldn't bring Tabner back. Grab. I wouldn't bring him back. A, a miss is fit and healthy and he's hungry. And Tabner, unfortunately, hasn't looked like he's cut it, whether through injury or form this year, which is a hard call. But sometimes in finals, you've got to make those calls to make things work. You really do, mate. I don't mind that. Uh I don't have anything too much to say on this game, mate. I was a few Canadian clubs deep by this point. 
Um, I guess where do we sit on the dogs, um, you know, fading out in finals? You know, obviously 74-point turnaround in the grand final last year, 52-point turnaround in this game. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, look, it doesn't read too well, but I'm probably more interested to think where are they at as a footy club now, I suppose. It's a really hard question. And Richmond will probably ask themselves a similar question and they'll come up with different answers and it'll be interesting to discuss. But very interested to see where they're at. It's that awkward one of, hey, we've got a great midfield that can get it done when they're all firing. But we've got some youth here, backline struggling. You know, are they on the way up or way down? It's just midfield's all they got at the yeah, moment, yeah. and it's interesting to see if they actually did manage to pull Liam Jones into their backline in, in the off season. That would be interesting to see how yeah, they move from sure. there. But I'd honestly reckon if the performances aren't there next season, you'll see this the way the state of the media is. You'll see questions raised about Bevo. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, he managed oh, yes, to yes. he managed to get a premiership in their second season, and then from there. They've made one grand final since, obviously, but then they've they've kind of just been a bit disappointing in mine or underachieving since that initial flag under him. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big off season for the dogs and very interesting to see what they will do. Uh, they've got a really good core group, but it just seems uh, defensively that's probably where a lot of their issues lie. Um, Bruce hopefully gets a good preseason to him if he's in their best team. He could genuinely be delisted. It could be, yeah. um, which would be you know. Disappointing after his great year he had in 2021. I think he kicked 44 goals or something. Something to that effect. But I feel like they'll do a mini reset or at least they, they could go down the Geelong path of um, getting those gaps sorted out with, you know, some key personal key personnel, you know, in that back line. They've just got to get a defensive system that um, and a zone that, that's going to work for them um, because... You have, you have to be really good from turnover and you can't have every score from the midfield. That's not the most sustainable model. The turnover games win 7 out of 10. So they've got to, A, get, get the most out of their, their inside 50 entries um, and the most from when the opposition turns it over. And they've got to be able to force the opposition into a turnover game. So they've, you know, they've got to uh, readjust their pressure game and um, from a defensive mechanism as well to ensure that, um, you know, that they're in the best best space possible for um, jumping back up the ladder again. Nah, I don't really have anything else to say. I was just going to do a special <laughs> shout-out. There was a fantastic rundown tackle by uh, Michael Frederick that mm-hmm. led to Walter's third goal and subsequently Walter's best game of the year in a final, which is always handy. We'll move on, boys. We'll get into the <coughs> previews. Two massive games, two teams eliminated. Melbourne taking on Brisbane. I believe it's the Friday night game. Let Correct. me just... Uh, is there one on Sunday? Seven. No, I think... Is it Friday? That's <laughs> uh, a little joke because I've ruined that last... I don't know, man, last week. <laughs> Always come prepared for the nice. AFL Unlimited podcast. Um, so we spoke about both of these teams already. This will be the third meeting for them this season and Melbourne have convincingly smashed Brisbane in both of those games. Um, we'll do our tip in this chat as well, then we'll move on to the next game. Have I got a, a funny feeling about Brisbane? Oh, Have I got a funny feeling about well, Brisbane? Well, I just feel like their momentum um, that they've got from this game, they just needed a bit of pep in their step, and there are some really bad signs um, that I'm seeing out of Melbourne. And I've been critical of both these teams, you know, Brisbane just in general, but Melbourne, their forward line just is not functioning. Um, they, they're, they're kicking it really shallow inside 50 um, ben, you know, they're relying on a big mark and a, a snap goal to Ben Brown or Malksham, who was doing it for them. He had three set shot howlers um, during the game and then had that other howler where uh, Robbie Fox spoiled it. And, 
you know, like you said, you know, Petrarca, Oliver and Gorn have been, you know, the best three players in the comp for the last, you know, five years. And all of a sudden they're relying on those three players to do it. And, you know, May was fantastic. Lev was good. Melbourne had the first 10 in set marks of the game. And after that, Sydney, you know, basically bottled them and Melbourne had no fluency after quarter time. There was, there was one stage, Melbourne, where they kicked two goals in a row. And Luke Parker got his midfield unit together and said, boys, do not let them lose this centre clearance. Do not let us lose this centre clearance. We're not losing it because this is the grand final all over again. Oh so we're getting very excited. Oh boy. And Daniel, did they lose it? They were outstanding, mates. And uh, Lukey Parker, he certainly lifted and lifted the boys together. But uh, I think... Just, just, just I think, excited. mate. I'm getting, your, your speech really caught me off guard, but... Oh, look, the Lions can draw all upon the uh, underdog status if they like, and that's all well and good, but there is some structural stuff and real football genetics that is all off with this team when they come up against the boys from Melbourne. I, I can't see Brisbane getting close, to be honest. I think sometimes there's a bit of a... Always a thought of the team that's just lost a qualifier to the team that's just won an elimination, but, I mean, hey, I hope Brisbane take it right up to them, but... I think Melbourne will give them an absolute drubbing. Yeah, well, there's definitely uh, clearly when when you lose um, you know, two games by ten goals, and especially a game that you just had to win on your home deck in round twenty three, uh, and to go down and lose you know sixty three points, whatever it was, it was ten goals at half time, um, <laughs> and, and now you're playing at the MCG, and you know the Lions haven't played very well at the MCG over the journey. Um, haven't won many games there at all over the last sort of yeah, 10, 15 years. So they're going to be right up against it. Um, I mean, yeah, so much would have to go right for them. So much has to, like, yeah, about 100 things out of 101 would have to go wrong for Melbourne. Um, you, you back the Ds to respond just because they're, they're proud and they're, they're obviously really, still, you know, really good side. They finished second. They're one of the best teams in the comp. Um, yeah, they're, they're Brisbane's bunny a little bit. Um, you, you suspect that they they just have fundamental structures and um, just ways of beating Brisbane defensively and what they do without the footy, Brisbane can't seem to match and Brisbane can only get as big a score as the team allows it and Richmond obviously uh, defensively probably have dropped off over the last couple of years as they've sort of done you know their mini reset. We, we know Melbourne just won't allow that, that freedom of ball movement and Brisbane would have to just yeah, win, win the clearance like crazy. We know they're going to tag Neil. Um, no doubt about that. So that will really stifle their ability to win the ball from the contest, which they need to win. Chuk. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm surprised by your major turnaround here, Langers. From well, you know, from from thinking that you know Melbourne was going <coughs> to cruise past the um, <laughs> cruise past the Swans and that Brisbane were going to get absolutely thumped as well by Richmond. Now, um, <laughs> Richmond, you, sorry, Brisbane, you think can can get it done? It's not so much that I'm pro Brisbane. I'm I'm just seeing a lot of bad things from Melbourne. Yeah, you know, no. so and you know Melbourne could easily still win, but I really think that makes things a lot more even than, than what we think it can no, be. Definitely. And and you know their forward line function. Charlie Danaher wasn't fantastic. Danaher, but Hipwood was good. And you know if they if they keep McStay in the ruck, I think that's a good thing for for the no, Lions. It's interesting. I think Brisbane have shown promise, yeah. and I. I I did back them in purely off the midfield power. I thought they were going to beat Richmond. That's why they were going to get it done. I thought their midfield is immense and talented. And they, and they did it. Well, they got it done. Um, it's interesting. You know, we talked about in the, in the review how well some of these youngsters and, and debutants even performed. 
Now you've got the likes of Rayner and I can't remember his Ainsworth. name. Ainsworth. Ainsworth, look, Ainsworth looking to both come back in. Mm. Um, it's an interesting one. I personally, I know I pumped up the impact Robinson was going to have, but in the end, his biggest moment was a free kick that almost cost them the game. Um, the pressure I thought he was going to bring, it's it maybe it ha- is behind him at the moment, but I think he would be one to slip out to bring back Arena or guys, um, and, and they can move from there. Um, in terms of personnel for the Demons, um, Petrarca's to stay in. I think they're backing him in. Sure enough, fair thing. For that forward line that you're saying is dysfunctional, I was wondering because McDonald's been coming back in the EFL. I looked at the game and I was looking for stats to see if some impressiveness from him. And really, he, he kicked one goal and he did barely anything. The team won. It's interesting. Mitch Brown kicked five goals and has oh, actually God. been an All-Australian in the VFL this year. Do they have um, an All-Australian VFL? Yeah, they, or is it like Team of the it, Year? They announced their Team of the yeah. Year and, uh-huh. and he's in the team. So could he <laughs> potentially be... Well, every club has a team basically now in the yeah, VFL. Yeah. Um, he could actually be a surprise call-up unless... I'd assume they're going to try and back them in, but... Who's currently their key figures that are in the side? Because they're missing a few. Yeah, well, who you got down there at the moment? It's Brown, and then you've got Malksham and Fritz playing. And then arresting Ruck, kind of. Yeah, you know, you'll have Jackson all. They definitely tried Gorn down there a little bit more at times to to varying degrees of success. I I don't know what Brown did. I know he's played one or two, had a few chances, and didn't really do a whole lot. But is it... I know it's a final, but you just do a risk and see if there's a chance you might be able to distract and, and take advantage of a Brisbane back line. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, Brisbane, I think, is also extremely interesting selection-wise. I, I know McStay was good, but I think that's the sort of thing that you can... When a team can plan for it all week, I just yeah. think Gorn will monster him. And I feel like uh, Matheson and Robinson are under a serious amount of pressure because you shouldn't drop Dev Robinson, in my opinion. Robertson. Sorry. And you think of wanting hungry players to, to play in the game. I know Melbourne's midfield is, is pretty stacked and they're all mm. pretty aggressive in that. But I was just looking, Luke Dunstan actually had thir- yeah. 38 disposals and a goal to be easily best on ground in that game in the yeah, VFL. Still, yeah. I know it's just the VFL, but doesn't that just show the hunger in a guy who we know has the talent from his St. Kilda days mm. could come in and, and actually have an impact if there was a spot that you thought he might was kick the in, in the leg throughout the week. That <laughs> might be his best chance. Um, there, there is a couple more injury uh, issues. Charlie Spargo has a bruised throat, so he actually can't yeah, talk. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to play him, and he won't be able to call for the ball. He'll be like, <laughs> call it. I don't know how that will work. So I don't know. I mean, he's physically fit to play, but his throat doesn't work. So I don't know how that works. But um, And Fritch had a little uh, niggle as well, I believe. So neither team's going in at 100%, so it will be a, a big uh, outcome to his. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get stuck into who we think is going to win, Langs? What, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, yeah. it's so it's free range, really. I, I've sort of played my hand already. I, I'm, I'm going to tip Brisbane in this game. Ooh, wow. I'm going to tip Brisbane. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a PGA rated program. Thank you. Um, yeah, mainly because of the things I've listed. You know, Melbourne's forward line isn't functioning. They've had four cracks at getting it going again this year, and it still hasn't worked. So I feel like that will cost them in a big final when Brisbane... Pressure-wise, we're, we're really good last week and, and match Richmond. There you go. He's gone He's gone the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Melbourne reasonably well to get the job done. Obviously, MCG factor is a big one. Lions haven't won there too often. D's play good football there. 
Um, and yeah, we, we do tend to have a bias towards the, the winner as, over the loser. Um, yeah, I have to say it being very difficult. What Brisbane do without the football is probably not at the level of Melbourne's. I'll be barracking half for Brisbane because uh, I'd rather play them in a preliminary final from a Geelong perspective. Uh, but yeah, I think Melbourne will get will get it done. Um, qualifiers usually find their way into a prelim one way or another, Chuck. Yeah, um, I probably will be leaning towards the Demons. It was a perfect storm, the Hipwood and Danaher scenario, kicking three goals each to, to help get them over the line against Richmond. But I don't think we'll be seeing that at all against a May Lever situation down back for the Demons. I think they should be able to, you know, cover both those guys pretty comfortably and yeah depending on what happens with with the lists that are named I, I think Melbourne should still get it done they're still a great team at their best yeah I was definitely um, a bit concerned by what Melbourne did dish up but not enough for me to sort of put a line through them I will be tipping the D's um, and I think the lines are really going to have to reverse a heck of a lot <laughs> from the last few times they've played um, their opponents so It'll be very interesting to watch on. We'll move on to the second game of finals week two. Fremantle is travelling down to the G to take on the Pies. In will be a pretty evenly matched game. Uh, Collingwood licking their wounds after last week, and similar similarly to uh, Brisbane, Frio will be you know coming up with a bit of momentum and hoping to knock off the superior team. Another titanic clash to come uh it's it's gonna be going to be a huge game once again pies at the g obviously is quite a quite a good proposition from their perspective um but the dockers they're no stranger to you know playing uh in melbourne and winning they've been really good uh from that point of view over the course of the season their victoria record i think they've only lost one this year um correct me if i'm wrong it was at uh marvel from, from from all reports there, I think um, Carlton got the job done potentially on that night. So yeah, look, it's just going to be a battle of yeah the, the midfield there, see how they go, and can Freo be dangerous enough to challenge the Pies um, defensively? And we know the Pies defence is obviously super strong, definitely from the Dockers' uh, point of view as well. But can the Dockers get a winning score, and can they upset and disrupt this Magpies defence? It's absolutely rock solid in, in the, their approach chook sorry I didn't catch who you tipped then sorry <laughs> I, I haven't tipped just, just, just preview oh yeah. sorry man I thought we were doing our tips at the same time <laughs> um, we, we are just just general chat just general chat then we'll get a second the tips alright um, <laughs> it's an interesting one to see how the the pies would go without Taylor Adams in the side. Um, he actually had eight tackles yeah, up to the wow. point. That pressure that he has um, for that team, and obviously he's going to miss because he what, tore his groin off the bone or yeah. something, which is pretty horrifying to think about. But it'd be interesting to see what they have in terms of what sort of you know pressure they have to put into that midfield. You know the grunt, the the sort of pressure there. Dugowie obviously is pretty tough footballer as well, but. He's mostly going to be trying to win the ball as, as well as tackle. So it'll be interesting to see how they can do it. I personally don't think either team is going to be rising to a challenge. I think they're both really even sides. Um, but it's just, yeah, it is going to be a case of how does Frio handle the nerves that they had? Will they be nervous again to start this? Because the Pies didn't show any nerves to me in their Geelong game. They all put on the same amount of pressure and, and sort of chaos and, and control as, as they've shown all season. Mm. Um, I think the Pies yeah, showed that they can handle the chaos. And I want to know if Fremantle, who did recover, 
in their other game, if they're going to have the same sort of start, it could be very costly against the Pies. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, it's funny because throughout the year, probably felt Fremantle were a better team than Collingwood for much of it. But by the time it's all said and done, the Pies are in the home final, or kind of did. They finished top four, they had the double chance. And I just think this one's going to be a ripper game. It's so hard to, to split these two sides. But I've probably underestimated the Pies for most of the year. And and I just feel like having watched them up close and that pressure and chaos ability that they seem to really thrive in the finals cauldron, it's it's hard to not just respect what they can do to respond. But the Dockers, they've got a lot of weapons. And if they can, like, like you sort of tipped Brisbane last week because of the midfield... I think that's where the Dockers will have to get on top. Um, midfield's always crucial, so yeah, it's going to be a ripper game. It'll be really interesting to see if Collingwood's, you know, manic chaos, you know, attacking style, um, or Frio's, you know, d- you know, more defensively minded, but still, you know, when they want to flick the switch, they can, you know, make things happen as well. You know, which which sort of comes up. And Frio, uh, we've mentioned a couple times this year, by far and away the the most winning winningest uh, interstate team, so they've won the most games in Victoria out of all the inter- interstate clubs. So you got to take that into uh, into account for sure. They travel really well, um, and I think yeah, that that midfield of the Dockers will cause some troubles with the Taylor Adams-less midfield now, and um, cause a bit of structurally issues. It's going to be uh, yeah, very difficult matchup, uh, no doubt about that, fellas. So I, I feel like yeah, the Pies will get the job done. Um, yeah, that's obviously. Being at home, at home ground once again, uh, two two games at the MCG. Freo obviously travel incredibly well, as we sort of said uh, off the top. And yeah, I just feel like yeah, Collingwood they, they take the game on, so it, it can challenge any opposition significantly. And I feel like yeah, Freo probably don't move the ball as quickly as say a Collingwood would. Collingwood would. There you go. There we go. Uh, so yeah, I, I just feel like the the way they the pies pressure and and the way they defend and they just attack like absolute madmen. Uh, <laughs> they, they they find a way to you know challenge the opposition uh, in a in a big way and I feel like yeah they'll be able to get a fair bit going on the scoreboard. Both sides kind of struggle a little bit up forward in terms of getting you know being able to um, knock. Oppos out of the park, but I feel like, yeah, Freo came back last week. Pies could get off to a big start. Freo aren't going to have that crowd there. If it's a, if it's a soggy MCG, then it's going to be tough for the Dockers as the Pies won quite largely uh, at, at the... Uh, <laughs> quite largely. I'm trying to think of uh, what the overall even called out. Optus Stadium Optus, uh, early on in the, in the season. So stadium in the country. It was a big time. So <laughs> Collingwood. 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 Well, uh, let me just reaffirm. I, I just sort of started the tipping off, but I'll, I'll be tipping the Pies as well. I think the, they've been the better team all year. Um, it will be a close game, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, Pies for me. Sure. Um, yeah, I look oh. at it and I... I think Frio have the ability and the talent on their list to, to show really an immense talent. I think it does come to what the Pies, how healthy they are, because I know, I believe Johnson has been listed as having some sort of injury, mm. I'm not sure, and even Dugowie is being listed, even Dugowie is being listed as having something for his shoulder or something, which could be impactful on him. Um, but personally, I think that Collingwood is probably going to get the job done and win the honour of losing to Sydney the next week. <laughs> yeah, I, with all the respect to the Dockers, and it wouldn't shock me if they did come over here and, and deliver the goods, but 
just feel like I'd be selling the pies short and not giving the respect that they just they just deserve it. So I will tip the pies. I feel like I often tip the uh, losers of the qualifiers to bounce back, and it does often happen. But we'll find out. Going to be two ripping games. I'm looking forward to watching them. That will pretty much bring us to the end of this episode, boys. What an incredible first week of finals we've had. What an incredible season we've had, and I'm sure the rest of the final series will be just as good. It comes down to four teams after this week and couldn't be any more excited for the rest of these games leading into the, the prelims, which are going to be, you know, contextually so, so big. You know, Sydney at home, the young and upcoming team, you know, being up and about this year and the Cats have, you know, good and bad history on their side. But um, that'll be the, uh, it for this episode. Anyone who's listened throughout the year, please um, make sure you're following all of our social platforms, liking and subscribing. Thank you so much for listening throughout the year. Um, feel free to comment and you know leave any commentary you feel necessary on our on our platforms because we love hearing from you. So, Tiz, thank you for joining us. Thank you all. Chook, it's always a pleasure. Love you. And Shorty. Thanks, boys. Catch you next week. Yes. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. AFL Unlimited, because footy is limitless.